And good morning. Happy Sunday. I bet you thought I forgot you. This is PFG Live, where we examine all the technical details of pretty much nothing at all. Uh, Mr. Blodgett, welcome aboard, sir. My neighbor, Warren Jones, up in New Hampshire. Welcome. How's the audio? Check, 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 check. CJ Stevens, happy Sunday to you, sir. Uh, it is a bright sunny day here in Windham, New Hampshire. It's 68 degrees. It is a standard temperature and pressure. And I hope everybody's doing great. We have a couple of preliminaries to cover as people check in. Thank you, Mr. Blodgett. So if you're uh, making a weather report in chat, which is encouraged, make sure you give your location. So uh, a big shout out to Extreme Electrical of Pelham, New Hampshire, that got me up and running. Last week, uh, We the house went dark. Now, this is weird because we have a complete backup generator, complete backup throwover switch, complete backups for our backups. Well, it turns out, as I will show you if you're watching the video, if you're not, you'll just have to imagine that when you have a complete redundant system, somewhere there's a, there's a switch which is going to switch you between generator and mains. Okay? If that switch fails, the lights go out. And you, it doesn't matter that you have a generator. That's exactly what happened to us. So this thing failed. We're going to be doing an autopsy on this at another time. And we were thrust into darkness. And I want to say a big thank you to Extreme Electrical of Pelham, New Hampshire, my buddy Anthony, who uh, really helped get us out of a jam. And as part of the same story, a shout-out to uh, Steve uh, Golson, who uh, has a great Instagram uh, channel, at, at Steve Golson. Uh, and he is a great photographer. He ran around in his car in Maine to find us a replacement part, and we found it, and Anthony got it in, and life was good. Uh, flap, flat Lapper says, 70 degrees and sunny here. Where's here? you got to tell me. Indiana John says he's on time for the first time in like two years. <laughs> That's like forever, dude. CJ Stevens says 72 and lots of sun in East Tennessee. Welcome, sir. So Warren Jones is watching uh, this live out of one eye and a hockey game at 3 o'clock. We'll be done by then. Anyway, uh, oh, Carl's here. All rise. Uh, Carl says 65 and sunny in the People's Republic of Rhode Island. Very nice. <laughs> so the gang is uh, is trickling in. We have a lot in store today. I, I have things to talk about. Um but we're going to switch gears pretty quick. Mr. Blodgett reports overcast and cool in the Oregon. The heat wave is over. You had a heat wave? We had a cold wave. I woke up one morning and it was it was a frost warning. Things were freezing outside. This was like three days ago. Wes says supposed to hit 85 in south central Idaho and... Chris just showed up screeching and sliding at the home, 73 and sunny in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Welcome, sir. Well, awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, also, there's been uh, a, an A-bomb 79 sighting in New England. Uh, there's been an extreme uh, deficit of barbecue. It's all going to one consumer. We don't know who, but we suspect it's A-bomb 79 who's been seen in Connecticut. Uh, let's see. B200 production will start this coming week. We've been out of stock on those guys. PFGS4s, that's the 4-inch PFG stones, will ship on Monday. A couple of guys waiting on that. And we are sewing Discord. So our Discord server is up and running. A couple of you that are in the chat have joined. Um, it is not public yet. <laughs> Carl says, 
We got the cold snap because I took down the snowometer. You are correct. Daniel reports 64 and cloudy in London, UK. Welcome aboard, sir. It's nice to have you. So, uh, yeah, so Discord server is up. The Discord server, like its primary purpose was to bring people in as guests without using Zoom and do some other fun stuff. It is up and running. It's not public yet. We're still testing it. We're going to beat on it some more this week. And then I think a week from now on the next live, we'll make the big announcement. So stand by. And if you are a uh, black belt in Discord and you want in now, message me and we'll get you in. And we need a few moderators and uh, we'll be good. Yeah, so get your Discord account and, and then DM me, okay? And I'll give you the information. No, C.J. Stevens, uh, A-Bomb and I have not connected. We, we, do, we are not in communications. I, have, I did not know he was coming to New England. Uh, he had to deal with the border guards on his own. So uh, no clue. He's welcome here. Um, now that we have power, he's welcome here. Anyway, uh, without further ado, there were two main topics I wanted to talk about today. One of them was, was uh, the, the, those pins that I've been grinding that have been giving me grief. Much was learned. Big video coming out, uh, and it's going to be a part one. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about in some depth is 3D printing because it's been more and more important. So, uh, but before we do that, we need another weather report. So I'm going to get a weather report from another part of the country here and uh, see if we can't uh, expand our weather knowledge. So please welcome uh, Mr. John Saunders of Zanesville, Ohio. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Spencer. Good to see you. Nice to see you. What's the weather? It is a beautiful, uh, probably 60 degrees in my basement, uh, 70 degrees, <laughs> approximately 10 feet above me. Uh, sunny day out. No, it's actually, it really is a beautiful day. I think you get the award for the first report of a temperature gradient. Oh, gradients matter. You should know that, Spencer. Uh, gradients do matter, and that's why we so value your, uh, your information. Thank you so much. I remember a factory tour where they talked about a company that either made or purchased uh, overhead ceiling tiles that have holes on a certain grid hole pattern that blow air down to control the tool room gradients uh, by having a looped HVAC system, which I was like, that's pretty next level. That is definitely next level. I would love to go visit um, an installation like Moore. You know, if yeah. you go into the Moore book, they talk about that. Uh, that would be pretty cool. That Did requires crossing into Connecticut, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's a check, check your stuff at the door. Um, there was a video recently on YouTube, and it was, I can't remember who, but they were talking about, they visited the uh, National Institute for Standards and Technology. Oh, cool. mm -hmm. And they went 80 feet underground to one of the two, there are two more measurement C machines. CMMs. I saw that video. Okay. Because so they ruined the calibration for like the next eight hours because they spent so much time in the room. Yeah. There, there were bodies in the room. How dare you? So that was fascinating. I would love to do that. Machine mm -hmm. thinking. Thank you, Mr. Blodgett. That was that was Machine Thinking's channel, uh, and that was excellent. We have a really great chat room here. I don't have to know anything. Uh, so, really, uh, welcome. It's nice to Thank see you. you. I've been Good following you. you, of course, on uh, all the usual channels. Uh, the the uh, <laughs> okay, these were the words that were about to come out of my mouth before I stopped them. I was going to say, I listened to you on the Bill of Materials. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> on Business of Machining, which is a great podcast. Uh, and this, by the way, I don't know if you know that. I think I told you this. This becomes a podcast also. So this will well, be Well, that's what I, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So uh, I've been listening. And it's funny, driving down the road, you know, I'm doing my thing. And I hear, I hear, well, what kind of mill does Spencer have? Doesn't he have a, doesn't he have a Haas mini mill? No, no, I think he has a Sharp. So... <laughs> You know, I always drive off the road. So uh, to clarify, I do have a sharp, and you were correct. And Mr. Uh, 
Mr. I'm up in Canada, Grimsmo, was somewhat incorrect. Miss, miss, yeah. Future facts, preparatory purchases. Preparatory purchases. So I don't have a Haas Mini Mill, but I would not throw one out if one was uh, landed on my door. CJ Stevens says, Hi, John. I enjoy your podcast as well. Thank you for sharing your discussions. Thank you, CJ. Um, and Indiana John says, I love that channel. And I'm going to choose that he was talking about you. <laughs> All right. So 3D printing is, is sort of the topic. And the reason I, I pinged you uh, was your recent purchase and effusive praise of the bamboo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am very interested to hear more. So I, I've made comments about the bamboo uh, that have been, I wouldn't say negative, I would say neutral. Like, let's see what happens, right? Uh, I have three Pruces that are cranking out parts just every week. And in fact, I just posted on uh, Instagram, I just made these things, right? These are clamps uh, for my F-150 to hold an antenna mast, a a lightweight portable antenna mast. Um, And, and these were, these were last night's production, right? So overnight, we cranked these out in, in, in PETG. And uh, for, for the nerds, uh, it's 15% infill uh, gyroid, gyroid infill. And these things are just fantastic, right? Strong, ready to go. And I tested it. They were fan- fantastic. Uh, this past week, we did some grinding experiments. And I made some little, little pusher-uppers uh, for parts on the grinder. These slender pins that I'm making. I don't know if you've been following. So this puts a little pressure on the bottom of the pin. Uh, these were effective, but not for what I wanted them to be effective for. But they were effective. They put some little bit of pressure on the uh, on the grind. 3D printed. Um, so how, let's pop up to twenty thousand feet, and I'm going to ask you the question. You know, how do you how do you see 3D printing in the shop these days? Um, and do you think it's necessary for a machine shop? Yeah, I mean, I think probably a good disclaimer. I got no dog in the fight here. Like in a, at a high level view, I don't care. I'm not here to espouse 3d printing or, or sell anything related to it. Um, but as a small business owner, machine shop owner, entrepreneur, product development guy, one that likes to be lean without, you know, overly getting drunk on the term lean, um, I love 3D printing and somebody just called me out. I can't remember who it was. They were like, weren't you the guy who was like not interested in 3D printing five or six years ago? And that was, that was true. Um, to rewind without, without going on too long um, in kind of a fun full circle thing. My, the, my first experience into this whole world of making like machining, Arduino, everything that most people now know me for on the internet was new to me in about 2007. I was living in Manhattan and I ended up kind of cutting my teeth at a place called NYC Resistor, which drum roll is where Bree, Zach, and there was another guy were hanging out doing the first MakerBot. Like they were just there. It wasn't, you know, it was a big deal. Like you could tell that it was a big deal, but it wasn't any clue it was going to become what it became. And um, so I saw 3D printing and and then I saw them make out, build that up and it was open source. There was all the laser cut wood parts to them. And um, at the time, you know, it was cool in the sense that you could make something that, you know, a repair part for your iron or, you know, a little gadget to hold a servo motor to open your blinds, but it was still pretty um, not useful in my humble opinion. And um, fast forward to where we are today. And and that couldn't be more wrong, both because of how easy it is to learn fusion or to download off of Thingiverse, And then there's all sorts of different ways of using 3d printers. Um, But um i am i forget what your exactly your first question was but i mean there's the basic question is is it a necessity today for the machine shop i mean necessity implies that you wouldn't be able to get by without it so no it's not a necessity is it the absolute lowest hanging fruit of things that you absolutely should buy and what i say without hesitation that every machine shop should be willing to either purchase the 300 dollar you know prusa mini or the 1500 dollar uh you know bamboo for what it is yes absolutely I, I when i got my first 3d printer 
uh, and took that plunge, I immediately started making some useful things, right? Some trays for blocks and things like that. And it was immediately useful, but the printer was also a pain in the neck. Right. Uh, and at the time, that was a MakerBot uh, replicator. And um, fast forward to buying a uh, Taz 6. Oh, yeah. Well, that was... yeah super useful um yeah. in fact eddie reese said to me you really need to be using a, a 0.8 millimeter nozzle right mm -hmm. to like a fire hose that was a great piece of advice started getting more useful and then i put the prusa in and what was more important than the prusa was prusa slicer was starting to get like stupid easy to use um i spent money on three uh simplify 3d mm-hmm and I, uh, I actually abandoned it eventually. Um, although a friend of mine swears by it still, and brought me an example of why, but I won't get. I'm not going to dive into that right now because we're not in the weeds. Um, but I think we've we've reached the day where you know you think of something at four o'clock in the afternoon and you design it and at, at feed it to the system at five, and then you wake up the next morning, and and. Two, two complete sets of right. of these things are done. And, yeah. and, you know, I wake up, I go outside in my shop moccasins, and they're on the truck in five minutes. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is yeah. getting pretty useful. So uh, you, had a, you had a Prusa. I had a Prusa. Um, John Grimsmo has the – he has a Prusa. He has a Mark now. three, I think. Like the yeah. gen before the Mark. We have we have a mini, and we used to have a Mark four or the MK. So excuse me, no, no, no. That's not that just came out. We had the three MKS or whatever. Yes, that's the one I have up, updated to the latest, you know, version. I think I yeah. think Mister Grimsmo has one. Okay. And now I think, I think it's a Sharp though. <laughs> I think it's a Haas mini printer. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> You think Haas is going to come out with a 3D printer? Nope. That would be a complete disaster. Um, no. In both directions. Uh, so, okay, so we we were at that level of sort of usefulness, right? And it was useful. I look at your back room at the shop, and you have like 17 generations of, of uh, 3D printers going all the way back to, you know, uh, uh, those pasta bags where you're squeezing out frosting at him uh so here we are today and now up 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 shows this uh this bamboo and now everybody's lost their minds um and i have questions but you have experience so i want to hear right from your mouth sure um tell me about your what's, bamboo experience but wait what can we jump forward what's the other than the c word what's the negative of what the bamboo Oh, the C word. What's, what's um, the drama? So yeah, the C word. The, uh, no, I don't have. I don't have any particular drama. Uh, my only negative would was customer service, right? So with the with the Prusa, everything's open source. If I break a piece of piece of something, I could print a piece of something and be on the air. I have done that. I've broken one of the little clampy ducuses that hold. Mm -hmm the rails because I was an idiot and uh, 20 minutes later or a you know, half hour later I had a part with spares and I was back on the air that's not going to happen with the with the bamboo that was that's my number one concern I'll give you the concerns the number two concern is you know I have messaged with customer service and gotten real humans and real responses and that was a plus and I'm I have concerns about that. Here's what I don't have concerns about. On the other side of the equation, as a non-owner of a bamboo, but you know, interested, uh, I'm really impressed with their use of sensors, mm -hmm. uh, and and I'm really impressed with their use of, um, you know, the the vibration compensation, which they they call input shaping. These intrigue me, and. I'm really impressed with the the multi filament the AMS autom yeah 
capability. So the, yeah. that's from the outside. That's what I. That's my concerns, right? And yes, the C word is a is a minor concern, uh, and and we we should address the elephant in the room. You know, the Prusas are made in the Czech Republic, and the bamboos are made in China. So that's. But then again, my iPhone is made in China, right? So, yeah. the The concern I've heard is not so much the the source of manufacturing, but rather that. It, the the elegant way to use the bamboo is through their slicer and the convenience and just wholesome environment they've made to print through it remotely or wherever even even if you're in the same shop i print through that which does upload it to um to i guess to there's some question about like ip stealing or theft which might be legitimate i just don't care um and there's a way to use it locally, like just to load up a thumbstick, not have it on the network if you are that focused on it. But the China thing, I think the concern I've heard is more of IP access to what you're printing than it is source okay. source of manufacturing. Interesting point. So how how much of the capabilities of that printer are dependent upon a cloud connection? Don't know. Don't I mean my whole answer, and I'm I'm excited to talk about it because I have things to say, comments, whatever. But in a funny way, I don't care. Like it's, it's, it, it, and the reason I say that is if there's one way of summarizing the bamboo, it just works. There's all of these cool features. There's the AMS, there's the slicing, there's the, um, the speed of it, the vibration sensing, the spaghetti detection. But my use of that printer, both I use it a lot, but also everybody else in the shop is, is it just works. Like I don't, you know, when you roll the ignition on your car, you don't think about the 12 volt battery and the starter and the ECU. It just starts. The bamboo just works. It doesn't fail. I mean, of course you can make it fail or it will fail every periodically, but like compared to everything else we've done, it just prints and it prints fast. And it prints with really good quality in multi-filaments or multi-colors and it just works. So the way you feel about that printer is sort of the way I feel about the the form labs in resin printing. Yeah. Sounds like Sa it. same thing. I, yeah. I just hit the button. It makes the print. It does it right every time. So, okay. So if that's true, why am I concerned about the, the bamboo? Because I, I could, I could drive down the road and, and go to form labs and get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh, I guess that's a concern. I've heard the same criticism about, so bamboo, both not being quote unquote open source, which I, I, I'm not like a open source guy, really. Um, and like, I want a solution that helps me in the next 12 hours. I'm not saying that it's bad to have open source or the ability to print your own repair parts, but the benefit we've already had in the, I looked this up because when you texted me last night to do this, I was like, okay, let me get some numbers. We've owned that bamboo for 42 uh, working days, a lot more days, but 42 business days. Yeah. Um, and we've printed 278 hours on it already that's 6.6 .6 hours a day since the day we got it um <laughs> that's awesome and i wasn't like not trying to trying to set a record here we're just it just gets used a ton yeah. um so so to me those are all the benefits it just works versus the drawbacks of hey long term there's something about the wear items there there's some um set quasi consumable friction like almost like a I'm making this up, but is it like a turkite thing where you're going to grind through or wear through the bearings or something? Yeah, Maybe that'll be true. I, I, I mean, the way we run our business now, we have the luxury of if after a year, I've literally worn the printer out. Um, okay, I just buy another one. Um, and, and also just the obvious economic point of this will drive huge innovation in the industry. And I think Bruce is probably, on, I, I, it's always tough to be the guy on the other end of this, but probably not a fun day to be a prusa guy right now no i i am absolutely certain that they released the mark right. four in response because they right. have like three major features that aren't quite ready yet because you know and, and they had to release it they just had to um yeah, yeah I know. so I, i'm very grateful for it for the for the bamboo just for everybody for it's going to kick everybody's uh uh collective butt as far as you know getting it getting in gear uh, K-Bonk says uh, Creality K1 is close on its innovation. I listened to this podcast, uh, 3D Printing Today. I like those guys. They're nerds. And they have addressed some of these issues. Uh, I think they, they talked about the Creality K1, and they were not as impressed with it as they were with the bamboo. So, I, you know, I'm wondering, 
you know, should I get one because it's because it is such a leap in technology effectiveness uh, throughput, you know, versus you know one of my Prusas or two of my Prusas. I don't know the answer to that. Oh, I do. <laughs> What's the answer? It's easy to spend other people's money, Spencer. I know. You're well. Try right. go. Go ahead. Uh, you have so laissez-faire. You should. Um, and it's and it's funny. I don't know if I'm allowed to bring up the question that you texted me, but no, this is not FOMO or Cool Kids Club or you know any of that. It's a tool, and and you know I know you well enough that you you know this is a tool, and the the difference to me that matters um, with it, aside from the fact that it just works, like there's some benefits because we've got guys at our shops or interns that are coming out of two-year high school tech programs that are not as sophisticated. They're not nerds. They don't understand slicers. They don't understand, um, you know, it's the equivalent of like G-code versus printing on a laser printer. Laser, printing on a laser printer, you don't even think about these things. You just hit print. Um, whereas, you know, handwriting G-code is a skill set, blah, blah, blah. Um, but personally, I like the, the remote printing, the fact that everything just works. Like they thought of everything that is potentially doable with Prusa. Like you can put in an Octopi, you can hook up spaghetti detection. I think it's a paid third-party app thing. The bamboo is just all there. It just works. And uh, we do print now from lots of different locations on to it. And then the, the speed is the, I pro think probably the most market improvement. Um, it's legit. It's bananas. Um, it's unbelievable. And I've said this a couple of times on our channel that it's not like we're a printing uh, factory where we need to print volume, but we use it so much that the fact that it prints so fast means it's easier to get time on it. And when you want something, you know, that F-150 truck mount, like it's not like you needed that antenna mount done. Uh, you know, it's fine. Print at the end of the day, wake up in the morning, it's done. Like that's totally fine. Except that, you know, you're the kind of guy where it's like, Hey, I got six different ideas. I might want to do two different versions of that. I might want to switch to something else. And when the antenna mount that look on the Prusa, that looks like it was probably a three to five hour print. And on the bamboo, that's 45 minutes to an hour. So, okay. So your ratio is three to one or better. Four to, four to one. Really? Yeah. Not joking. Call me out on that. Like, like do, do some, Slicer test or send me something and I'll, I'll slice it or print it for you. Um, it's no joke. Okay. You're on. Model inbound. Sure. Uh, I, I got it because three to one. E, the reason I have three printers <laughs> is to get that three to one, right? Yeah, sure. Um, that's interesting. All right. The, you're on. The, the AMS is great. It elegantly handles me running out of filament, the multi-printing stuff we've printed that way. Um, it's kind of one of those things where you, it sounded too good to be true. Like how can this come out of nowhere? How can they actually ship it? It's not a 12 month Kickstarter, you know, fail to deliver. It comes and then everything they say ends up being true. Like the design build is elegant. It's a well-refined consumer product. It has a pretty robust software front end the like it's just, it's just like oh my god actually it all just works so i will i will be sending you this stl perfect okay and this was printed like like yeah vertical sure and and i'll give you the parameters and you could tell me what the computer says the time is that's that's very interesting to me a three to one would be amazing uh and you know i chandra texted me the other day you know i had something printing she says filament alarm <laughs> so yeah exactly right i i had a system for remote notification it's just i'm married to that system for remote <laughs> i've got my desktop behind my laptop that i'm hosting on. so if you want to send it to me now i can slice it in the background i don't think i can do that smoothly without yours yeah we'll do it but we'll report to everybody we promise a report uh k-bonk says now that the hydra spool mod is out my nuts are on the fence. What is the Hydra spool mod? Uh, I do know, again, I'm, I'm embarrassingly kind of detached from some of the details because it just works. And I'm not as much a nerd, but like yeah. we bought, we buy the filament um, rolls. There are these plastic spools and then the refills don't have 
anything spooled on it. So when you refill it, I guess if you want to come up with criticisms, it, that is a little bit difficult. You, the um, spools are on a cardboard tube um, and they're taped. There's four pieces of clear tape around them. You don't remove the tape or else you're foobarred. So you, you slide the new filament only roll over the spool and then you lock the spool back together. I have found that to be very much a pain in the butt a couple of times. And if you don't do it correctly, it creates downstream, downstream AMS feed problems. Um, on the plus side, the way it tends to work well and the every roll of PLA or filament has a RFID tag in it, which means when you put it in, the printer knows what the material is and what color it is. And it tr tracks the remaining quantities in the AMS, I assume by consumption, not by weight or anything. I'm, I'm sort of concerned about how they treat the antennas and the RFID tags. So we, we may have to, you know, consider that deeply. Uh, Mr. Blodgett says, does the Prusa slicer do anything the bamboo slicer doesn't? Excuse me, sir. I will point out that the bamboo slicer is a fork of Prusa oh, yeah. slicer. I learned that this week. Yeah. So th they took Prusa slicer and then and then went down their own path with it. So I can't imagine that the Prusa slicer doesn't have 100% of what the... I'm sorry that the bamboo slicer doesn't have 100% of what the Prusa slicer has. Uh, K-Bonk says, allows polymakers spools to be used. Gotcha. Okay. Also, I did see something where people were complaining about the cardboard spools that I like from uh, the Amazon supplier. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know you're going to tell me. Uh, somebody, it's like I have dozens of them downstairs anyway uh the cardboard spools were problematic so what did people do is they printed a little rim attachment and it's polymaker no oh that's who the cardboard is that we bought from um i can't believe it no, that's okay. Overture. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I buy Overture. All if you buy PFG stones, you get the, you get those nice red trays. That's all Overture. Well, those uh, uh, there was reports that the the bamboo was having problems with those cardboard spools. So somebody designed a snap-on plastic rim, and the problems went away. Done. Thank you. It so, reminds me, like at the twenty thousand feet view, it reminds me of the Apple ecosystem. Or even like if you're in the music world, Pro Tools, it's like, look, yeah, you've got to, you're in the, you're in the cool kids club now. You've got to go our way, but guess what? Our way just works. Um, okay, like, yeah, I, I'm stuck paying 24 bucks or 25 bucks for filament versus 19 to 21 for uh, Overture or Polymaker. Uh, okay, you know, at the end of the year, I'll probably have spent two to three hundred dollars more buying the higher filament rolls. Okay, so l let me poke at that a little bit. So. Is it that you can use any filament you want? You just it's just a little more of a pain in the neck. So my buddy Lawrence over in the Netherlands, he's in our little WhatsApp group. He has done more experimenting with non um, bamboo PLA and has basically said fine. I think there's been chatter around adjusting the feed rates or the temps, so you might want to or need to experiment. But um, there's nothing that's they, it's not like Hewlett Packard ink where they're going to go out of their way to make it not work. <laughs> don't you, you just you you hit a nerve when you said Hewlett Packard Inc. Sorry. So I have to. Rec I need a moment. I'll be okay. Um. So that's an interesting question. Also, is you know, can I keep buying my Overture filament and dropping it into into the bamboo and getting on with life? If if it's if you say to me, well, you're going to have to tweak a few things. That doesn't scare me. But if if you say forget it. it it doesn't have the magic special uh special sauce in the in the no you're filament. fine you'll, you'll be fine okay this is interesting uh mr chris says i heard non-bamboo you have to play around with settings to make it work correctly that doesn't scare me at all uh it doesn't surprise me at all right okay interesting so 1500 bucks to get to, to, to pay to play I think it was sixteen hundred, um, but free shipping. They shipped it quite quickly. The, another thing, if we're going to kind of call out um, critiques, is it has been um, somewhat difficult to get PLA. We've bought we've bought quite a bit of it, 
Um, mm-hmm. And like right now I need more white and I have not bought any black and I need both and they're both out of stock, which if you're going to live in this ecosystem now, all of a sudden you can't do that to me. Um, but um, I'm also actually, I, so kind of funny, totally unrelated to this podcast. I actually brought the printer home this morning. I went out to get breakfast and then yeah. I had like six different things I wanted to print and I didn't want to go to the shop today. I'm kind of hanging out with family. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to bring the thing home. Big deal. And so it's actually upstairs in my kitchen running. <laughs> and I have a old roll of black PLA that's probably got 20% left. And I am going to actually try putting that in to, because there's something I want to print black. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll let you know how that goes. So uh, is, but PETG, that's, I live on PETG. That's been no problem as far as. Uh, I, supply. Unfortunately, sorry, we've literally only run PLA. Uh, we can still talk. It's okay. Yeah. Can... yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I I have turned into a P, a, a PETG only shop. So yeah. Uh, well, okay. So I, I'm really wrestling with this because is you know do I take fifteen hundred uh, uh, shekels and uh, and roll the dice as a preparatory uh, research purchase? If it's that good, I I don't mind like completely retooling if if it's if it's worth it uh if i if one of them can finish prints in the time that three of them can finish prints uh it's sounding pretty good to me and having dual uh or sorry the four ams's is to me huge we've done a lot of we're printing a lot of uh multicolored prints for shop tags like quality control tags shipping tags and having that mixed film, it's great. I will, I will criticize. I think they could do better on the slicing to do the fill uh, functionality there. Um, mm-hmm. But I hope that would come. Um, and so that's great. I had an IDEX printer. I sold it last weekend because I will never touch. I was just like, I'm never going to touch this again because of the, how good the bamboo is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, so I, I assume it has gyroid and all. You know, gyroid all is. Fill. A, yeah. Okay. All the fills there. Um, tree supports are awesome having auto-generated supports that come in and minimize amount of filament print time easier to detach um, they work phenomenal yeah I haven't seen evidence of that well I, I don't use supports a lot so uh, in 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 uh, filament printing so I don't I don't maybe I'm not aware of it but I saw pictures of the tree supports it's pretty impressive mm-hmm. um, cool so uh, if anybody in the chat room has any questions uh pop them pop them in the chat we'll we'll try to address them what was the lead time on on the printer Mm, i think i ordered it and had it running in 10 or 11 days yeah it's plenty fast yeah pretty good my other buddy i think they're stocking in texas correct everything seems to be austin yeah yeah my buddy ryan has two now i think that's the other kind of thing i we bought ours because of a couple of people i knew don't kind of they don't um hyperbolize things they, they spoke highly of it and look i hate to say it but we were on the 200 dollars deposit one year uh wait list for the big prusa xl i know and i don't need the huge size i wanted the multi-head and i like i value the prusa brand i thought it was kind of a good solution and then this thing came out. I kept hearing what we all now have heard and known and talked about on this episode. And I just thought, wait a minute, this is ready now. It's half the price. It's better. And I think that's the other point is I now know probably a dozen people that are running them. No one has sort of said, Oh, here's the Achilles heel. Here's the fatal flaw. Here's what didn't, no one told you. Um, it just works. <laughs> Chris says, John, did you have to calibrate? Re- did you have to recalibrate for the kitchen counter? And how long did that take? Uh, so Chris, that's a great question. I was um, traveling the day it arrived at Saunders. And so Alex unboxed it and set it up. It was on a folding table and it moved so fast that we put it on a scrap fixture plate to give it some stabilization uh, because of how fast it moves. Um, so I never set it up. And then I took it home this morning and literally just plugged it in. Although I actually seat belted it, buckled it into the back of my truck. Didn't realize that the AMS is not attached it's just on top so the ams fell off didn't hurt anything but psa if you ever go to move yours and didn't know that um it's like a brown and sharp grinder (laughs) i'm sorry i just (laughs) um so then i sit on the kitchen counter and um 
what's funny that you mentioned that Chris is the first print that I printed the first layer failed, which I don't think I've had a first layer failure ever on it. And I, I don't care. I wasn't worried about it. Not like all of a sudden going to trash the printer, but it's, um, I didn't know you had to recalibrate. I didn't even do that. And I've been, I've already printed four things since then today. They've all been fine. So, um, make, make of that what you will. Well, that's a, that was a good question. I think, I think Chris was, uh, no, he was serious. Yeah. I think he was serious. That question looks serious to me. Yeah, no, that's uh, probably real. I probably should have, I guess. Uh, so how long does it, the calibration routine? Now, I saw uh, some video. It does some shaking around to do the uh, input shaping. Um, how long does the calibration run take? Chris, chime in if you know. Like I said, I've never run it. What I will say, again, if we're trying to find things to criticize, it, every print spends the first 6 to 12 minutes doing test layer printing and calibration stuff. Um, really, every which print. is which is funny because it's still faster and it includes that time. You can dis you can turn that off. Um, I think it's on because it helps provide a more turnkey, robust solution, and it's still fast as balls. But um, I know I've some, had some friends who have turned it off because they don't want to take the time or waste. It's not that much filament, but nevertheless, a little bit of filament. K Bonk says he saw a guy printing in the in his truck as he was driving. Well, as one does, I don't have a problem with that. I got I got outlets all over my truck now, so I just plug it in and go. Um, that that is a very interesting. You're you're getting close to my credit card, you know. You're getting very close to my credit card. It's a little wasteful switching filaments. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about the poop shoot. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. These all feel everything I'm mentioning that's negative is is although it's legitimate, it's also like you're just trying to find flaws in something that's so productive and such a such a game changer. Like look to, to your point, Spencer, it probably forced Prusa, who's arguably one of the leaders up there, it forced them to do something they didn't want to do, releasing that Mark IV earlier than they planned to, because it's so good um and just working. Yeah. Wow. Good job. You should get a commission. This is uh, this is excellent. <laughs> no, I I recognize that you're being as uh, uh, even handed as you can here. Um, that's pretty neat. So, anybody in the chat have a, have anything uh, that they know about the the bamboo that we haven't talked about? Because this is uh, truly fascinating. I don't mind buying something because I want to learn about it. Frankly, that's how I got into grinding. Right? It's like yeah. I'm going to buy a grinder. And look what happened. <laughs> yeah, you, this is true. Which is our poop shoot is a beautiful poop shoot. <laughs> Chris says for the guys on the on the podcast. Chris says uh, the first thing you have to print is the poop shoot. Is that true? Do you print, well, so print a little. I didn't bring the poop shoot home, so we have a leftover Chinese food tray behind ours in the kitchen right now. So it poops <laughs> out into that, not all over the kitchen. Now. <laughs> There's something poetic about the whole thing. I like it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Poop. Poo poo platter, poo poo platter. Yeah, that's nice. Do you you should have put have it on a little uh, turntable so you can. Yeah, well, so that's what somebody did on YouTube. Maybe somebody can put a link in the in the description comments. Somebody already built a it looks like an eighty twenty uh, gantry arm above their bamboo, and it robotically unloads the parts. Because that's the other thing. Like the reason I brought my printer home today is that I can print from the house to the machine the shop to the printer at the shop, but then I have to go to the shop to do something silly. I have to go to the shop just to literally take something and lift it off. But that doesn't, hmm. it's not, doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to send you two models. I'm going to okay. send you the, the, the clampy Ducas, mm -hmm. which was last night's print. By the way, uh, two of these, uh, let me take these bolts out so they don't hit me in the head. Uh, so the, the, these two guys on the Prusas, yep. you know, yes. on one, on one Prusa, yeah. was uh one of them was eight and a half hours and one of them oh. was ni nine hours that was Wait, zero you printed them to you printed two, the one i'm seeing in your hand you're holding a left and a right you printed those together together right, like that but what do you mean one was eight one was nine uh uh meaning sorry i misspoke i had two printers going okay i'm sorry got it one one printer made this pair and one printer made this pair this one has a smaller uh square hole in it and it so has more material. This took longer, but not not by a, yeah. a ton. Let's just call this an eight-hour job. So this was 
this was eight hours uh, on the Prusa. It's about three inches high. Uh, it's about you know an inch wide. Fifteen. Fifteen percent. Fifteen percent gyroid. Yep. Okay. And like I said, I'll send this to you. So that'll be a data point. And then I'm going to send you one of my PFG stones uh, tray models. Okay. Yes. And because I, that's, you know, I care about that. I'm cracking sure. those out. And uh, boy, howdy, I could see some benefit there. I mean, there, there aren't many days where I'm, I'm choked by the 3D printers. But when you're in development work and you want to go from idea to, to prototype, that's money. Right. I, so, so that's what we used the final iterations of our puck chuck, our zero point system have mm-hmm. occurred what since the the bamboo got here and i'll tell you subconsciously we wouldn't have printed some things because i just it's just like it's not fun to print something when alex and i are having a conversation and know that it's going to be done tomorrow morning and now we can print it and then i go do something for like another hour and it's that kind of four hour print that's now one hour well one hour i can deal with that's awesome we can iterate on that you can have two or three different iterations throughout the day hmm. so uh Kevin asked a question, which is very relevant. Is the bamboo quiet? Could you use it in an office without it being annoying? So that's also a great question because my answer changed within the last six hours. At the shop, I don't hear it. It's silent as fast as molasses. Sure, if you get up close to it, you can hear the belts moving and the steppers. But no, when you're a foot or two away from it, it sounds like nothing. I brought it home and I had no idea how loud the fan is. Um, I apologize to my wife. She's like, Oh, I don't care. It's kind of like a gray noise, but, um, I obviously, is it annoying to you in an office? That's kind of a personal question, but I'm going to go with, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty box fanny loud. So, so I could stick it in the lab and it's no big deal. Cause I'm used totally to fine. that kind of stuff. But if I, and if I close the door to the lab, nobody's going to hear it downstairs in the living room. Absolutely. You'd be fine there. And if you have music playing or you don't mind a fan or you have a fan going like then you're going to be fine. But um, we had Prusa. I mean, I used to have a uh, when my kids got a printer for Christmas, we had it up on the kitchen counter. And those IDEX printers are the little BIM uh, Prusa minis. They're, they're silent, basically. Dude, you used to have a CNC machine next to your head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was that was pretty quiet when you were not running it incorrectly. <laughs> uh, let's see. We had another one. Uh Chris says, with all the remote monitoring, you can print from work to home, robotically unload, and keep going. That would be kind of cool, right? Reminds uh, me of the original MakerBot. Uh, not the original ones. I think it was the second cupcake where they had the little conveyor belt, treadmill. Remember that? Yeah. I don't think it really ever They're still was. messing with it. People are still messing with Is conveyor that right? belts. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's still a thing. Uh, well, the Creality has that unlimited printer, right? The weird one that... I only know... I've seen videos uh, of people at, you know, that's, that's a great example of where I, I turn off. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Not interested, but uh, excellent question. Well, uh, you're really, uh, you're really uh, making me think hard. I I have a table right out here in front of my office with the laser printer sitting on it, right? We have a Xerox laser printer and next to it is stuff that I could easily clear off and, and drop it uh, right there. Uh, and qualify it, you know, mess with it before it goes to the basement. But I could see two of those replacing the three Prusas um, and probably would be fine. So might have to do it. So when we started today, the the question was, is a 3D printer a necessity these days? And yeah, you equivocated, but would you be without a 3D printer right now? No, no, there's no... Like, no. Right. Uh, no, and, no. And, and the answer for me is no. I, I yeah. would absolutely not be without a 3D printer. So um, that's an interesting question. Um, pretty cool. And and I invited, but he couldn't make it, uh, Mr. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Robin Renzetti. Yeah. Who, yeah, he's an interesting character um, who recently took the dive. Like, yeah. He, he does not go, he does not, he does not go quietly. It's like, give me the printer, give me the spare parts, give me the stuff. And, um, he is doing some pretty cool stuff and I wanted to learn more, but I guess we'll just have to keep that for another episode and see what uh, Robin's doing. But if, 
you know, he has not been whining about it. Uh, it must be just working, and he's making some pretty cool stuff. In a hu- humble brag, I think he bought his because of our video. Um, and to your point, Robin's kind of a like, look, if it's a tool and it works great, if not, it's gone. And he has loved it. And that's exactly the kind of uh, workflow that I like hearing and seeing about with that thing. Yeah, I, I for sure do not want to be a 3D printing hobbyist. It's like I that I don't want to focus on that. Uh, another buddy of mine who will be on a future show is a 3D printing machine designer, right? Oh, cool. And machinist is uh, Adam. Bru- oh, you met him. He was at uh, the scraping class that yeah. we did. Yeah, Adam. Adam is from Chelmsford. Chelmsford, I think. Ch- Charlton. Thank you. Sorry, it's way off. Yeah, it's close. Samsung. It's on, right off the Mass Pike. Uh, anyway, he he is building a 3D printer that you could walk into. I mean, this cool. huge thing. He prints boats. <laughs> he literally prints these remote operated vehicle boats. It's pretty neat. But anyway, he's he's got one of those in process, and uh, I want to hear his take on the bamboo. But we couldn't get him today because stuff was crazy. So we'll get him another time. Uh, well, awesome. Can I share one more thing? I mean, I actually have to. You can like share anything four, you want, John. Four minutes. Um, okay, this is actually potentially huge, and it's a. I want it to be even better, but it's. It's a big start. Infusion. When you want to print something, the normal workflow is you go into the, I don't have Fusion open in front of me, but you go into the utility tool or make tool or something and then you hit. Utilities, yeah. And then you can only select one body to send to your, sli- the, pr- the bamboo slicer and it opens it up. You yep. with me? Yes. So there's a lot of times where I want to export more than one thing and the normal workflow now is you send the first thing to the slicer and then the others you just export to STLs and drag the STLs over, not the end of the world, but hardly a, you know, elegant workflow. There is a hack for this. And it's almost perfect. Um, in Fusion, the top left of Fusion has your, I call it the design tree, but it has the light bulbs with all your different bodies or components. The right. very the very top level component, it, you can right click on that and choose export as mesh, and it mind blowingly opens the exact same window that has export to your three D printer, and whatever objects are visible via light bulbs, are included and automatically open in bamboo. The problem is when they open in bamboo, they are all even though they're physically detached, they are all still one thing, and so you have to go in and cut them. Um, which can be kind of a pain in the butt to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even sure how much better it is. Um, but if somebody could figure out a way to not have them come in as cut, whew, that would be great. Very, very cool. Yeah, what I've been doing is using that uh, STL, you know, generate STL feature or make 3D print feature, making the STL file. I drop it into a network drive. Actually, I've been using a Dropbox drive for reasons um and then do that n times and then go downstairs to a laptop drag the n files into slicer and and get it going uh just because i that's how my workflow goes all the printing is happening in the basement so but of course if i had a bamboo i would hit go and the printer would just start in the basement and i would not have to think about it yep it's wonderful so I can make the argument that that might impact my uh, my fitness because I'm not getting my steps in. <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> not my problem. Cannot blame the bamboo. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Are there any other questions from the from the chat? This is really cool. Thank so we this. spent we we spent most of our time on on the 3D uh, printer stuff, which is totally cool. And you know what? I'm okay with it, and I'll save my. Um, I'll save my grinding report for next week. Okay, I'll get you uh, those answers, which I'm excited for. Well, yeah. Sorry, you're talking about your grinding report for the podcast. Forgive me. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I've been making... Well, John, let me tell you what I've been doing. So, Because you'll actually get a kick out of this. The MIT pistol team has uh, Benelli's, these, these standard pistols, right? And they've been cracking... Now, it's not just them. They've been cracking firing pins. 
Really? So yeah. So every n thousand rounds, they they'd lose a firing pin. Well, the firing pins are getting hard to get. But more importantly, the uh, the people who are making replacement firing pins are are not making a great solution. So I uh, I took it upon myself to uh, start making. This is this is uh, raw material. This is not mm-hmm. a finished firing pin. Uh, we're making them out of S7 tool steel, which is specifically designed for shock. Uh, and that's yeah, like stamping die material. Uh, and you know chisels and just stuff that's getting smacked. Right. Well, what's a firing pin? It's something that's getting smacked. So uh, this is the current project, and I've been fighting with. How do you grind a long skinny pin uh, after heat treating? That's you uh, park your vehicle outside because you have since purchased a centerless grinder to go next to your new Blanchard. Uh, yes, actually, that's exactly correct. Uh, You're no. welcome. <laughs> this is the this is the path I'm going down, right? And and it's been very very interesting, and that's that's what led to making these these silly things was to support the end of the thin pin. Got it. And I'll just give you the report for the week. Uh, the 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 ability to put a force on the pin has been totally positive. So if you're trying to take out the taper that you mm-hmm. would get, right? Because you're going to get more deflection at the end of the pin when you're grinding it than you are at the base of the pin when you're grinding it. So that you put a little pressure on it and you even you you balance out the pressure. Awesome. Here's what you don't get. You don't get damping. So you end up with chatter. Mm-hmm. And if you if you look at the uh the photo that I used as the announcement photo for this uh <laughs> K-Bonk, uh for this uh podcast yes. You'll see the you'll see in the picture you'll see a nice finish right up until the last third of the pin, and it's all uh, chowdery. So, I've been uh, talking to a guy. I don't know if you know him. If you don't, you might not know his name. It's Robin Renzetti, uh, and he's had some really good ideas. And I think I'm starting to see the light of what the next step is, because what we need is damping. So, if you look at the shock absorber on your car. There's a spring, and then there's a damper. And what I just made is a spring. There's no damping. Interesting. So Robin uh, gave me some pointers to how to go about achieving damping and the spring. And stay tuned because that's coming. Could um, you could you not have a – could you not bed? Could, are you holding the pin in like a hair grind all to rotate it? Yes. So could you not, obviously the bringing the Z height up would be ironically similar to your, my conversation a week ago on precision shims. But uh, yeah. if you had a, a cutaway, could you not have that act as a dead rest that supported the ha- bottom half of the pin with a film layer of oil? Yes, that is a, that is an approach and, and people have done it. The, the thing is, is that again, you need, you need some damping okay. and, uh, one of the things that Robin and I were talking about is that the the mass of that finger that you're going to use has to be very high, and that's what gives you the damping. Interesting. Okay. Whereas when I came up with my brilliant idea that I 3D printed, it does a great job, but the the mass is almost nothing. Yeah. So right. there's no damping. So there's there's some there's more okay. path to go down, but I, I'm learning a lot. Here's here's the other thing I learned is my heat treating on these pins was beautiful so we got s7 smoking right awesome and i got a funny feeling when we're all done this is going to be you know a great solution and these pins you know if i had to sell them commercially are probably going to be you know ten thousand dollars each but we will have learned a lot uh and we will and we will have supplied the mit pistol team which is really the most important thing here k bonk says bamboo (laughs) Or centerless grinder. Hmm. There's also, I, I did a little research, and there are these devices. Like, this is not a new problem. And there's companies that have made widgets, which you plop on your grinder table, and they are like mini, like mini centerless Cool, yeah, things. right. And it's like, okay, I want, 
I want that, right? I want the world's smallest live center, like with the, you know, yes. number I, zero center. I, I've been designing little things in my head to pick up the. We're going there. Um, anyway, John, thanks so much for being here. Hey, I this was fun. Yeah. I would happily accept the invite if it ever makes sense again, because this is super fun. And I didn't, uh, to be totally honest, I didn't know about your podcast. So I've got a lot of episodes to catch back up on because I well, was skimming through. There's some good <laughs> topics in here. Uh, thank you. There are. Uh, we had some really great guests, and some of them I just blather for an hour, which is, you know, I apologize in advance. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have you, and we'll, we'll definitely have you back. So I'll remind everybody that we do this every Sunday, mostly, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, 1700 Greenwich Mean Time at the moment. And it's the PFG Live, brought to you by PFG Stones, who seek to remind you, if you're not using PFG Stones, what are you even doing? We love ours. Not, not, you didn't pay me to say that. We, I use them all the time. They are phenomenal. Thank you. That's very, very kind. Uh, Flat Lapper says, thanks for the coffee. You're welcome. Uh, I don't know. Mass doesn't cause damping. It changes natural frequency. Carl is our resident uh, PhD, and he keeps us on the straight and narrow. Totally agree, Carl. I didn't talk about the grease that Robin was talking about using in the structure to provide the damping. So we'll get there. I promise. Take care, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. Don't get caught.